Today's scripture is Proverbs 4, 5 through 9. Get wisdom, get insight. Do not forget and do not turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her and she will keep you. Love her and she will guard you. The beginning of wisdom is this, get wisdom and whatever you get, get insight. Prize her highly and she will exalt you. She will honor you if you embrace her. She will place on your head a graceful garland, and she will bestow on you a beautiful crown. The word of the Lord. We are in a new sermon series for this fall. We kicked it off last week, and we had a guest preacher um, do that for us, Brett McCracken. He was here, and he preached. My wife and I, we were joining the service online last Sunday, from the island of Kauai. So it was incredible, it was beautiful and amazing. We were celebrating our 20th anniversary in our 21st year of marriage because COVID kind of messed with last year. And I have a proverb to share as a result of us almost not making it back to the mainland from Kauai. And here's the proverb. The one who thinks he has confirmed his Uber ride must always first check whether it says a.m. or (laughs) p.m. I can tell you more about that story if you want to hear it. But we're back. Uh, Brett, last week, had so much good stuff to share with us and, and so many good things for us to think about, especially about the role of wisdom in our digital age with all the technology we are living in. It was a great introduction for our wisdom initiative and this series. But today I'm going to be doing an introduction part two for this series into the book of Proverbs. So our series, as you see on the front of the bulletin and and everywhere and in this text, it's called Get Wisdom. And I got that title from this passage from chapter four, verse seven, which says straightforward, right? The beginning of wisdom is this, get wisdom. There you go. Adam and I were joking, like, that should be the message for today, you know? Let's just end right there and go get tacos. The beginning of wisdom is get wisdom. There we go. Well, I have a little, I have a little more I want to say about that. And that's the title of my message today. It's the inspiration, really, this passage behind this whole series. Because these two words, get wisdom, I believe, are exactly the two words we need to hear in the times we are living in. These are interesting times, challenging times. We're all tired of putting like adjectives in front of the times we're living in or what we're all going through. But just to remind us all what we're living in right now, we are still uh, in this pandemic reality. And with that reality, there are different takes. There are different ideas about vaccinations, masks, and how we can be safe. There are sharp, seemingly irreconcilable political divides and gaps. We probably see some of those every day. There are cultural tensions we're living in with matters of race and ethnicity and justice. There is distrust of the media. It's at an all-time high. So who do we trust? Who's telling the truth? Last week, Brett helped us uh, see that 
algorithms, these algorithms out there, their job is to make us into addicts. I have a quick picture. I want to show that if we can put that little, there we go. This is one of those, how it started, how it's ending, right? You know, maybe in the early days of technology, it's like, I've got this phone. And now it's like, this phone has got me. (laughs) And Brett said a lot about that last week. In the church, there's also division. If you are paying attention to how um, all these different tensions and divides have made their way into the church, you'll see there's a lot of disagreement within the church as well. We're not always handling it the best that we could. And as a result of that and other things, distrust of the church is also seemingly at an all-time high. We could say much more. The question is, Where can we go? What can we get to help us with all this? And I think Proverbs 4, 7 gives us the answer. Get wisdom. We have more information than we've ever had. We have more access to knowledge than ever. We know more about the world's problems than we ever had, yet we are confused, maybe more confused, divided, conflicted about all these things than we've ever been. Why? Well, for one, and Brett mentioned this last week, wisdom is not the same thing as knowledge. The wise person is not the person who knows the most. The wise person is not even the person who knows the most about the Bible. Or else, we'd find the wisest and holiest and purest and most sanctified people who are our Bible teachers and seminary professors. Sorry, there's some of you here in this room. But they're just people like us. Knowledge does not equal wisdom. One of my professors in seminary, I thought he did have a great definition of wisdom. He's acknowledged as one of the leading experts on the book of Proverbs. He said, wisdom is masterful understanding, skill, or expertise. Wisdom is the skillful application of knowledge and understanding to life. Like life as we experience it, it's all messy and there's challenges and every day there's something new and changing. Wisdom is knowing how to take knowledge, truth, and do something with it. Do the right thing with it amidst life's changing realities. And this is what Proverbs was written to give to us. That's what this book is all about that we're going to study this fall. In my opinion, wisdom is the missing piece. It's the lost treasure that we need to find and recover as people and as the church. If you look at the front of the bulletin, David Ta, a man of many talents, created this graphic. And and I loved it when he created it. If you see, there's a shining diamond. There's a nugget. There's a very expensive treasure right there in the beginning, and it's glimmering, and it's shining. And I thought, that's it. That captures what Proverbs says about wisdom. Wisdom is a treasure. And I believe uh, in many ways, it's like a lost treasure that we need to rediscover. How do we take knowledge and apply it to the changing realities all around us? I love Hidden treasure stories, growing up, Indiana Jones, love it, could watch it all the time. National treasures, it's good. I know Nicolas Cage and all that, but it's still good. 
This idea that there is a treasure map, there is a secret treasure hidden. And if you devote yourself to it, if you go after it, you can find the Ark of the Covenant. You can find like the secret of the uh, Declaration of Independence, etc. There's um, another picture I want to show here. There's something called the Copper Scroll. So this is on display. This is a Copper Scroll, one of the Dead Sea Scrolls. You may have heard of the Dead Sea Scrolls. Most of them were uh, parchment, papyra. They were um, letters of a religious community at the time of Jesus. Some of them had copies of uh, the Old Testament and some of the books of the Old Testament. Amazing find um, archaeologically. But there was this one unique scroll that was found called the Copper Scroll. And there it is. And it's unique in that it was written on copper. And it's unique in that it was a treasure map that it described this incredible treasure of all this gold and all this silver and all these valuable artifacts, and it was telling you this is the treasure that has been hidden. Most scholars think during the time uh, when the Romans uh, took over Jerusalem and ransacked the temple that there was a treasure hidden. And so some people are like, is this a real treasure? Is it not a real treasure? Some people are looking for this treasure and doing all that they can to find it because... Estimate is, if you find it, it's worth $1 billion. And you are set, right, for life if you find it. The point here is, Indiana Jones, Nicolas Cage, whoever, if you believe the treasure is real, you'll do anything to get it. That's what Proverbs says is true of wisdom. So today, I want to do an overview For the rest of the fall, we're going to move into specific topics in the book of Proverbs, such as how to deal with your anger, how to let go of control, how to be a friend, how to repair relationships, how to talk to others and use your words in a way that brings life, how to do justice in a way that helps rather than hurts. I've tried to select some of those topics based on some of the things we're all thinking about dealing with and some of the hot-button issues today. We're going to get to those, but today let's talk about an overview. We're going to talk about why we need to get wisdom. We're going to talk about what happens if we don't, and lastly, how to get it. So why do we need to get wisdom? Five times in verses 5 through 7, it just straight up says it. Get it. Get it. Get it. Get wisdom. Get insight. The synonyms of wisdom. Why? The answer given in Proverbs is because wisdom has priority. Because wisdom has priority. Notice I didn't say because God says we should give it priority. Because the Bible says we should give it priority. No, Proverbs goes beyond that. It's saying something different. It's saying wisdom has priority in reality in the way that the world is. The world that God created. Wisdom is the very order and the very fabric of life and reality. So wisdom is learning how life is and how life works. That's why Proverbs 4, 7 says the beginning of wisdom is this, get wisdom. It's actually a very difficult uh, translating puzzle here. How should we translate that? It's kind of an interesting phrase. What What does that mean? But when you read it with the second part as a couplet, which says whatever you get, get insight, it becomes a little more clear, I think. And it's it's saying this, the starting point in getting wisdom is realizing that getting wisdom is the starting point. 
That's what it's saying. It's the priority. If you don't get wisdom, then life doesn't work the way it's designed to work. This means you can get all kinds of other good things, great things, but without wisdom, they won't work. You won't know what they're for. You won't know how to use it. You don't know how it fits together with the rest of life. Wisdom is the fabric that connects it and ties it together. Wisdom, it, show, it shows you what is the intention of this? What is the design of this? So without wisdom, you won't receive the benefit of the good things that God has made. And they won't be a source of blessing for you or for other people. Instead, there will be disorder. Life will be out of order. And there will be disintegration. Let me give some examples of this. I mean, Proverbs speaks to all of these things. You can be a morally good person, good, but without wisdom, it can be used for prideful self-righteousness. You can have knowledge, you can have lots of knowledge, but without wisdom, it's only facts that bring no good into the world or facts that you use for your own advantage. You can have courage, but without wisdom, it can be reckless and rash. You can have money, you can have wealth, but without wisdom, it controls you, you, not you, it. You can have power and you can have influence, good things. Without wisdom, we use it in ways that tear down. The word beginning is key here. Wisdom, according to the Bible, according to the book of Proverbs, it's not just one good thing among many others that we need to get. It is the priority. It is the beginning. I'm going to put up a slide of Proverbs 8, another key text here in the introduction section to the book of Proverbs. This is what it says. This is wisdom speaking. The Lord possessed me at the beginning of his work, the first of his acts of old. Ages ago, I was set up at the first, before the beginning of the earth. When there were no depths, I was brought forth. When there were no springs abounding with water, before the mountains had been shaped, before the hills, I was brought forth. It's pretty amazing what's being said there. There's a lot, if you go into the literature here, there's a lot of people who have studied this. You know, what's happening here? Who is talking? Who was with God before the world began? This is, this is, a, this is a picture, this is personified wisdom who's speaking as a, a woman there with God who is a part of every single thing that has been made in this universe. Wisdom was first. So Proverbs is teaching us that wisdom has a priority in the way things are. It's the beginning of God's work, the first of his acts. It says, I was set up at the first before the beginning of the earth. So the wisdom of God is what's infused in everything that is. So here's an illustration that I hope will help. Wisdom is living with the grain of life. If you've ever touched a piece of untreated wood, you know, that's not finished and like, you know, sanded and all that, it has a grain, right? You can rub your hand along the grain of the wood and it's good. It's kind of soft and it's like, ah, oh, nice wood. But if you go the other way and you rub your hand against the grain, what will happen? Splinters, right? You will get your hand full of splinters and pain. That's how wisdom works. I think now we can understand verse 7 a little bit better. Whatever you get, 
get wisdom. Another way to translate that is though it costs you everything you have, even if it costs you everything, wisdom is worth it because it opens up the rest of life to be used in the right way, in the way it's meant to be. One author says it like this. Whichever you choose, if you choose the way of wisdom, or as we'll see soon, if you choose the opposite way, whatever you choose, it will cost you all you have. To get wisdom, you might have to give up everything. That's what this is saying. Whatever you get, nothing should stand in the way of you getting wisdom. But to not choose wisdom, it will take everything from you in the end. You won't have anything the way it's supposed to be. That's what the Bible says about wisdom. The story that came to mind when it comes to this point is the story of Solomon. Uh, Some of you might know the story of King Solomon. He actually uh, wrote the majority of the book of Proverbs. If you look at Proverbs 1.1, it says these are the sayings and the wisdom of Solomon, who was the king of Israel. The story of Solomon's life is that when uh, his father David He passed away and passed the throne to his son Solomon. God appeared to him in a dream. And God said, ask, what shall I give you? That's like the dream question of all time. I want to have that dream, right? Ask, what shall I give you? And the story goes, Solomon said, give me wisdom. He could have asked for anything. Lord, give me wisdom. And the story of Solomon's life is that God said, yes, I will give you that request. But he also received a lot of wealth, a lot of success, a lot of other things. And the moral of the story isn't ask for wisdom so you can get all the other stuff. The moral of the story is that other stuff is the fruit of him asking for wisdom because it's the priority And it's the beginning. Why we need to get it. Well, what happens if we don't? That's the second thing that this passage shows us. What happens if we don't get wisdom? I want you to look at verses 10 through 19. They're printed there in the bulletin. We didn't have them read, but they're there for reference. These verses are meant to communicate the urgency of getting wisdom. It's not a when I get around to it sort of thing. It's not, I would like to become wise someday, like the Bible teaches here, Proverbs, maybe someday for sure. But I've got other things going on right now. The football game is on. I'm too busy. I'm too overwhelmed with life, whatever it is. No. We need to make wisdom our priority. Proverbs said it's so utterly urgent. When will we make wisdom our priority? Well, in part, when we know what happens if we don't. Look at verses 10 through 19. And they tell us, and they're printed here for reference. This is written as a father who's speaking to his son. So it can be read as a literal father giving advice to his son or a metaphorical teaching father. He says, I've taught you in the way. I've led you in the paths. When you you walk, your step will not be hampered. If you run... You will not stumble. What is the image here? It's the image of a journey, of a path, of walking on a path. Wisdom is one path to walk on in life. And verses 10 through 19 says, 
There's only one other path to journey on in life, according to Proverbs. Verse 14 says, it's the path of the wicked. Don't enter that path, the Father says. Don't walk in the way of evil. Avoid it. Don't go on it. Turn away from it. And in verse 18, there's the conclusion. It says, the path of wisdom is like the light of day, which shines brighter and brighter until the full day. Verse 19 says, the way of wicked is like deep darkness. They don't even know over what they stumble. The book of Proverbs here and in many places teaches us that there are two paths in life. A path to life and light and a path to dark and darkness. And Proverbs says you're on one or the other. You're heading in one direction or the other. And here's the thing about these two paths. What these verses teach us is that the longer you walk on them, the longer you go in one direction, the harder it is for you to turn and go back into the other direction. And that's both an encouragement and a warning at the same time. It says, the path of wisdom is like the light of dawn. And since I just spent a week in Hawaii and Kauai, sorry, there are lots of illustrations that are on my mind from that experience. But one thing, we, were, we stayed on California time uh, just because, like, why, why not? Especially after the first sunrise. And we were staying right there by the ocean, and we saw the sunrise. And it's so beautiful right there over the water. And it rises and rises, and it's very subtle at first. You see it behind the clouds. But at a certain point when it gets high and it reflects off the water, like you can't even look at it anymore. It's so bright. That's the picture here that Proverbs is giving us. Wisdom is like that. The more we walk in wisdom, the more we experience it, the harder it is for us to leave the path. Things become clear, not all at once. It's not easy. It is hard, but over time, you have to keep on walking. But it goes the other way, too, if you look at verse 16. Verse 16, it's kind of dark. It's kind of disturbing. It says, the wicked can't sleep unless they've done wrong. They're so anxious, they have to go out and do something wrong until they make somebody else stumble. They eat the bread and drink the wine of violence. It sounds dark and harsh, but the point is the further you go down the road away from wisdom, the harder it is to go back. There is an addictive, enslaving element to walking away from the way that God has designed the order of the world. Now, we've want to say, well, maybe I'm not always on the path of wisdom, but I'm not on the path of the wicked. (laughs) That's not me either. I'm kind of in the in-between path sometimes. But that option is not given to us in Proverbs. It's very black and white. Even though life is messy and complicated and it feels like I'm on this path, no, I'm on this path, and I don't know. But Proverbs says, pick one. It's either this way or that. Why is it so black and white? How many of you use an alarm to wake up in the morning? Some of you I know, like, I don't need an alarm anymore, but I still do. And how many of you are snoozers? You hit the snooze button, right? And that might make your spouse or friends, roommates, or whoever lives in your family, like, really <laughs> mad at you. If you're hitting the snooze button all the time, they're like, I don't want to wake up at that time. I'm guilty of that, I, I confess. Friends, The message here at the beginning of Proverbs is you cannot keep hitting the snooze button on wisdom. 
You can't hit the snooze button on orienting your whole life around it. Wisdom is trying to get our attention. And often wisdom is getting our attention through those splinters that we experience in life when we're going against the grain of how God has designed us to live. So it's saying don't wait. For most of us here, there are areas of our lives where we are hitting snooze, snooze. Later, yeah, I, my hand is full of splinters, but I'm still hitting the snooze button on that. There are places where we're not getting wisdom. We are walking out of God's design against the grain, and we have splinters to prove it. How do we tell? Where do we look for those splinters? The best place I know to look for this is James chapter 3. James is kind of like the New Testament Proverbs. That's one way to look at it. And I want to show a slide here from James chapter 3 says this, here's how to tell. It gives us the fruit of wisdom. How do I know when I'm walking on the path of wisdom? Who among you is wise and understanding? By his good conduct, he should show that his works are done in the gentleness that comes from wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and selfish ambition in your heart, don't boast and deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where there is envy and selfish ambition, there is disorder and every evil practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peace-loving, gentle, compliant, full of mercy and good fruits, unwavering, without pretense. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who cultivate peace. Look at verse 17 and 18. That's a with-the-grain kind of life. These are the results. This is what a with-the-grain kind of life looks like. And it's beautiful. It's very rare, especially in our time. He says, and against the grain kind of life is a life of envy and selfish ambition. How do I know that I'm off the path? Well, here's one of the main signs to look for. You are not content with the life that you have, and you're spending all your energy trying to get another life. That's envy and selfish ambition. James is saying, if that's what you're caught up with, this is not the life I want. I want that life, that life, that person's stuff, that person's things, and I need to spend all my energy to get that other life. On the flip side, James says, if you're walking with the grain of wisdom, you receive the life that has been given to you. Your life becomes gentle. There's no hard edges. Those are being softened out. There's not bitterness you are bringing peace into the lives of other people because of the peace that you carry by living with the grain. It's not a squishy all over the place kind of life. James says it's unwavering, it's firm, but it's so gentle. And there is no pretense in it. You're not being fake. You're authentic and real. That is a beautiful life. Proverbs is written this way so that we'd hear these Proverbs and we would make a choice. We'd stop hitting the snooze button and choose and be decisive about it. One scholar, he offers this paraphrase of Proverbs 4.7. He says, what it takes is not brains or opportunity, but decision. Do you want it? Come and get it. That is the message of Proverbs. 
verses 10 through 19 say, choose that path. How do we get it? How do we get wisdom? If it's the priority in reality, if it's the with the grain way of life, if it's the path, the path to this kind of life that James describes, a life of peace and blessing to others. How do we get it? Do we read lots of books, listen to podcasts, Google it, study really hard? What do we do? All those things can be helpful and not. (laughs) But none of these is what Proverbs says is the key to getting it. The key to getting it, according to the book of Proverbs, is when two things come together. Two things that we don't know how they belong together. Fear and love. There's another important way the word beginning is used in Proverbs. We looked at Proverbs 4-7. We looked at uh, Proverbs 8. There's a couple more places where it's very significant. Let's put those slides up. Proverbs 1-7, Proverbs 9-10. These are the mottos of the book of Proverbs. These are really the key to unlocking the Proverbs. It says this, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, and the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, saying the same thing. These verses frame the introduction to the book of Proverbs, Proverbs 1 through 9. So the question is, is the beginning of wisdom get wisdom, or is the beginning of wisdom Fear the Lord. The answer is yes. <laughs> Saying the same thing in different ways. Let me explain. The fear of the Lord. What is it? It's not to live scared of God. That's not what the fear of the Lord is at all. It is to live in awe and reverential fear of God. It's hard to boil down to one definition what the fear of the Lord is, but it's recognizing and respecting God's place in the universe and recognizing and respecting our place which means God does not exist to conform to our desires and our designs for life. We exist to conform to his desires and his design. Okay, last Kauai illustration, I promise. We were hiking in this canyon, and it was a canyon, it's a Waimea Canyon. If you've ever seen it, it's like the, the Grand Canyon of the Pacific. It's amazing. You're up there, and you see the birds are like this tiny flying around. So you're way up high. It's a canyon, and we were hiking right on the edge of this canyon. And there was one particular spot that we chose to go up that we were kind of scrambling up. And I was very scared (laughs) because behind us was the canyon. And we were right on the edge scrambling up, and I'm just thinking, why did we go this way? Why did we go this way? The whole time, like, I don't want to die. I don't want to die. The reason I share that is because in hiking that mountain and that canyon, that mountain didn't conform to the path that I wanted to take. I had to conform to the way that mountain, that majestic, massive creation, I had to conform to its paths or else I'd fall to my death in in the bottom of that canyon. How do we get wisdom? Proverbs says, be rational, be logical. If God exists, if God made all things in this universe, if he designed us and all things with his wisdom and infused his wisdom into the order and the fabric of everything, it is then the height of foolishness to leave God out of anything. 
It is not rational. It is not logical. If God exists, the one who made the Waimea Canyon, the Grand Canyon, the universe, we cannot even grasp the immensity of that. If there is a God like that who made this world and designed this world, it is foolish to leave him out of any part of our lives. There's nothing more important than than getting that wisdom. What's the path? I don't make my own path. I walk the path that is before me. When we say, as we're about to say in just a few minutes, every time we take communion, the words of the Apostles' Creed, the starting point right there, that is the beginning of wisdom. I believe in God the Father Almighty. Everything else flows from that. And often, in parts of our lives, we forget that. Proverbs says, put it first. Put it back first. But the rational answer isn't enough because we don't always act rationally as much as we think we do. And this didn't hit me till last night. I was reading this passage to my two younger boys before they went to bed. I read it and said, this is what we're going to talk about tomorrow. Proverbs 4, 6 says, here, here it says, this is how to get it. Look at this. Do not forsake her. Love her and she will guard you. Prize her or cherish her. She will honor you if you embrace her, that's how we get wisdom. What is that language? That is the language of love. That is the language of like the infatuation stage of love, right? When you have that part of your relationship, that time, couples here, you remember when it's like, I love you, I cherish you. You say all these words and you say, I could, if I don't have anything else in the world but I have you, then I am a happy man or woman. That's what it's saying here. Fear and love together. But how does that work? Fear is all about staying at a proper distance. Don't get too close. Respect and reverence is about caution. It's about watching your steps, not getting too close or comfortable. But love is about getting really, really close, being very, very comfortable, being safe to be yourself, not being cautious, but being free and open. And there's that tension here. Is wisdom the order to revere in the world? Or is wisdom this woman to embrace as she's pictured here in the Proverbs? And the answer is resolved in the gospel, in Jesus Christ. In the book of Colossians, Paul's writing to a church. He says, my prayer, my ministry goal is this, that you would reach the riches of assurance and understanding, the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ. In him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Paul says, all the treasure is found in Jesus. Later on, he says, you just have to go deeper Rooted into him. You don't have to go outside of Jesus. And in Jesus, we see how fear and love go together. Christianity says the most powerful, fearful, awesome, terrifying, dangerous, glorious, important being in the universe became a human being. To live a life of wisdom before us and for us and at the height of his wisdom. The Bible says the most wise thing God ever did was make a way 
for people to come close to him, was make a way for people who walk in the path of wickedness towards darkness, who forget about him, who keep him out of the equation, who don't consider him, who aren't rational, who are foolish many times, to run to him and receive his embrace. That is the great wisdom of the Christian faith. And so we live with great awe. Oh my gosh, Jesus has done this for me. Creator, maker, almighty. And we say, because he has done that for me. Who else, what else would I love more than him? Jesus says, I have given up everything for you. Why? Not to just get us to heaven when it's all over, to enable us to get wisdom. I have given everything for you so you can get wisdom. And so we should be able to, out of that, out of response, give up anything to get it. Jesus died to give it to us. It is the beauty of Jesus that draws us in to love, prize, cherish, and embrace the one who did this, who is the source of all this wisdom, and to trust him. Even when the path doesn't make sense to us, even when we want to go this way and he says that way, he says, this is how much I've loved you. Trust me, not only did I make you, but I saved you to get this wisdom. Let's pray that God would do that work in us as we study this book for the rest of this fall, that we would see the beauty and we'd run and embrace that beauty in Jesus. Let's pray. God, given this definition of wisdom that we've looked at, we realize we don't always prioritize it. There are many ways we're not getting it. Maybe we feel like we just don't get it in our minds. Maybe we just don't get it in our hearts. Maybe we just don't want your way of wisdom in some places. And I pray for myself and for all of us as a church that we would heed these words and hear them as they're meant to be heard. These words of love. These words that invite us to a beautiful life with the grain. Lord, show us that we don't have to live with all these splinters we carry around and move us further, wherever we need to move further into the life of wisdom. May we make it a decisive decision now and throughout this series that we would follow your lead and trust you. And we pray it in Christ's name.